a lot of ground to cover tonight. And um, I'm so excited. Before I, before I dive into this, man, I just want to give a couple of shout outs. One, to my boy Colby Shelton, who is back. Hallelujah. He uh, has just returned from Kuwait. Is that right? Yeah, Kuwait. Um, and uh, we thank you for your service and uh, what you've done for our country. I also, also want to mention Val here. Val is actually getting out of the Marine Corps. And, um, and we just thank you, Val, for what you've done, man. You know, she uh, has given her heart to Jesus, dude. She is full tilt going after the Lord, have some new endeavors ahead of her. And, um, and I, just, I just want to bless these guys real quick. Is there anybody else in our military here tonight? Is anybody else? Uh, maybe a couple? Okay. How about you guys just stand up for me right quick? Do you guys, if you, ser- if you serve in our military, would you just stand up with us for a quick minute? And um, Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're no longer active duty, but if, 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 you, if you are military, I, just, I feel like it kind of ties into uh, maybe even the message tonight. Um, and so let's just thank God for those who, have, who fight for freedom. You just speak a blessing over them. Father, I thank you for uh, the men and women, Lord God, who lay their lives down uh, for our nation, for our country. Lord, I thank you. Let it be a picture of, of what it should look like in the body of Christ when we lay our lives down and we fight for freedom. We fight for others to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray each one of these, Lord, who have, who have given of their time, Lord God, to serve in our, in our nation's military. Lord, I pray great blessings and favor to be upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to hedge our government, God, with your spirit. Lord, I pray that, that Lord, um, that you are greater than politics. And God, we thank you that we, we know that there are people in this nation who are on their faces and they are crying out for your justice and for your leadership, God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, you know, um, tonight's message, if, if, you, if you wanted to give it a title, would be The Promise is Freedom. The Promise is freedom, that God wants to show humanity what freedom looks like. True freedom is only found in one place, one person, and one God, through the man Jesus Christ. There is no other way to obtain true freedom other than that way. You can walk out of a jail cell, but still live in a prison cell of your own sin. You can trade one drug and just be addicted to a different drug. You can trade the drug of cocaine for the drug of greed. The enemy of your soul doesn't care. He just wants you to live in bondage. He doesn't care. He will use whatever tactic is necessary to keep your life held hostage. The Bible in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom, freedom. Jesus came on the scene so you and I could live a legacy of what it looks like to be free. 
And I want to tell you something right now. I believe that more people will begin to experience freedom when they see Christians living freedom. Not just us telling them about it, but when we actually embody what it looks like, the world will say, dude, I want that. Not a bunch of religious hoops to jump through, not a bunch of religious formulas, but what does it look like when a person is no longer living in a land of bondage, but a real land of freedom? That's what's in the heart of God. God has always been about freedom. The children of Israel were in bondage for 430 some years and the Lord heard their cry and he sent them a deliverer. We know the story. He, God sent him Moses to, to, to Pharaoh and he began to declare to Pharaoh, let my people go. And we can see that Moses is kind of a, a representation of what Jesus Christ would be to us. That, that Moses was a picture of what it looks like when Jesus comes and begins to deliver a people from bondage. 400 years of living in captivity, 400 years of, of you don't get to choose the destiny of your life. 400 years of watching your, your children's children live under tyranny and abuse. 400 years of being told what to do, when to do, and how to do, do. <laughs> there you go. That's what real bondage looks like. You're like, I can't even go to the bathroom no more on my own. Well... God gives a promise to the children of Israel and says, I'm giving you your own land, a good land flowing with milk and honey. And in the process and journey of walking through the desert, desert, they were tested to find out what lived in their souls. Here's the amazing thing about the picture of Egypt and the Israelites and the promise of their freedom. God got the people out of Egypt, but struggled to get Egypt out of them. And so he gave them the wilderness. The wilderness was not designed to kill them, but to heal them. The wilderness was not intended to keep them from their promise, it was designed to be the catalyst so that they would be able to occupy the promise. The wilderness was God's answer to get Egypt out of their soul. That was the point. In the wilderness is where we find that the Israelites, their faith was tested. You would hear them make statements in, as they were journeying through the wilderness. They would make statements like, man, we had it better in Egypt. Really? It's amazing whenever you're going through a little bit of pain for the moment, all of a sudden you think that other place of bondage was so much better because it, it, it kind of fed you, it kept you fed a little bit. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Look at this. I want to encourage you guys to bring your Bible to church. 
Because we are going to eat of his word. And we are going to be a church that has to chew its food. No. We need to be a people that have to chew our food. Doesn't mean that everybody coming in has the same ability to do that. So we will not neglect those that need, you know what I'm saying? To drink it through a straw for a little bit, but we don't stay there. We need to be able to move on into more. Hebrews chapter three, I wanna pick up in verse 16. I'm gonna read to you quite a chunk of scripture here. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter, re- they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Now I find it interesting that he connects sin and disobedience to one thing. Did you see the connection? Unbelief. What they chose to believe is what kept them out of the promise. He goes on to say, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to having fallen short of it. How could we fall short of this same promise? What we believe. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't know the gospel could be preached back then. The book's not a lie. There's no unnecessary detail in this book. Every word that's put in this book is there for a reason. He said, we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with what? Faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God said. We enter rest through faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith in his son who came to be the perfect offering of sin. As we place our faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that washes my sin clean. Now, I'm going to keep going here. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. It is amazing to me that the writer of Hebrews is saying the gospel was preached to that generation. We think the gospel is something new that hit the New Testament. I'm sorry, church. It started in the beginning. There's always been a gospel. And it's faith in God. It's it's faith in him. We can't do anything in ourselves. We trust him. Therefore, God again sets a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts. That's why I didn't wait to the end of the service, because today or right now, does somebody want to give their life to Jesus? Now is the time. For if Joshua had given them rest, God 
would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own works. Our works is not what moves God. God was moved because he loved. God is not moved because you were good. God moved because he's good. Just as God did from his, uh, it says he rested from his own work. You rest from yours just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Their disobedience was where their faith was. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing, say nothing, nothing. in all creation is hidden, say hidden, from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give an account. That's why you want to put all of your faith in him. Because there's no, not one of us that doesn't have something that he sees. Not one is unblemished, untouched, which is why we must repent. I'm not talking about, oops, I'm just kind of sorry, God. No, not giving God lip service, but heart service. Repentance that comes from the heart. Today, I told you, is a special day because today is Rosh Hashanah. And today is a time that is quite amazing, prophetically speaking. Even our own little local church, I believe, is a part of a bigger prophetic picture of what God is doing. Rosh Hashanah begins on the eve of, of, of today, on their, their Jewish calendar month. What is fascinating to me is when you look at the actual calendar, this particular time, Rosh Hashanah, is not considered the beginning of their their, their, their monthly calendar, so to speak. Like, you know, we have January. This is not like their January. This actually happens to fall, um, would be like our seventh month during the 12 months. And what is amazing to me is on this day is the day that God sent Moses to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Today is the day that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and started taking them to their promised land. That's what happened right here. God is taking people out of a place of bondage and wants to usher them and begin the process taking them to their promise. Now, I want to read to you another passage. I call it the Faith Hall of Fame. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. Now, I'll give you some context here. This chapter talks about faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for or certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients were commended for having faith in something they could not see. And he goes on to talk about Abel and Cain and Enoch. And he goes on to talk about other heroes. Then he starts talking about Abraham. 
Mm. I know I have verse 15 here, but I want to bump up and, and read from verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. It's not just about how we start the race, folks. It's how we end it. My God said he is the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of my faith. That means that from the starting blocks to crossing the finish line, I started in faith and I finish in faith. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. We're getting ready to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be moving across to the other side of the, the street into kind of crossing our little, our little River Jordan out there, that little pavement, that road. It's our Jordan. We're going to cross over it. I'm going to put my foot in there. Maybe the asphalt will just kind of move. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. So you just got to have fun in church every now and then. So he says they were strangers and aliens passing through. Here's what we need to understand. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles ultimately is about. It's a sojourning group of people who are saying, I, 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 this is not my home. I'm passing through. And so they would build these little quickly, hastily made shelters. As they came out of Egypt, they would have to build these, these tents. And they lived out of these tents. And they were sojourning to a better promise. And I think it's so amazing that even as we are trying to get into the building across the street, it's a little bit bigger tent. But I feel the same pressure trying to get that thing opened and in and it's, it's just kind of like if we're in this hastily exodus from where we've been in a seven-year cycle getting ready to move into new beginnings, a new eight-year beginning. Man, I'm not trying to be like the blues angels over y'all right now, dude. Seriously, I hope you're, you're, you're tracking with me. I want to read right here, verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. This is the key verse, 15. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Let me tell you something right now, that whatever you, whatever you allow to consume your thought life will determine what your heart longs for. Whatever your heart longs for is ultimately what you're going to be led to. Whatever you allow to consume your thought life will determine what your heart longs for, and whatever your heart longs for will determine what you pursue. This is the reason why God, every now and then, you need a stick of dynamite to blow up some bridges in your life so that you can never go back. Everybody likes to keep that bridge. I'm going to tell you, there's some bridges I blew up, dude, and I'm glad they're blown up. Because if I had the opportunity to look back I might look back and start traveling in the wrong direction. God is trying to grab our hearts so that we will focus on what is important and what our heart is longing for is what we're going to be led to. This is the reason why the wilderness was put where it was before the children of Israel. Now, I want you to flip over in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. 
And I want to talk to you about Joshua a little bit, and I want to kind of tie this thing in to what started last week about our body being consecrated and being set apart. I believe last week was the beginning of God consecrating us as a people because you know what? If you're not the right person when you enter the promise, then you're just going to make a mess of the promise. And you know what's going to happen? People are going to look at you trying to occupy your promise with the mess inside of you. And they're going to go, I don't want any part of that God. You know what? You know what we call that? We call that hypocrisy. That's the word we use. And there's a lot of people right now that's needing to see the real church, the real bride. So Joshua chapter one, verse eight, listen to what he admonishes God. Uh, God admonishes Joshua to do right here. Love this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Say mouth. mouth. Speak good things. <laughs> Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. He tells him to meditate on the law day and night. Now, I want you to understand things in the Old Testament are types and shadows of what is fulfilled in the New Testament. Jesus came fulfilling what was written in the Old Testament. It, 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 they go together. We know that. And so you have this scripture in the gospel of John chapter one that says, in the beginning was the what? The word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then you drop down a few verses and it says, and the word became what? Flesh. So if we're going to meditate on this word day and night, what are we doing? We are meditating and focusing on who? Jesus. 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 How sweet that name. Jesus is who we're meditating on day and night, night and day. Hebrews chapter three, verse one. Maybe you can put this on the screen. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as who? Our apostle. What does apostle mean? The one who was sent to you with a message. A message of what? A message of hope and ultimately a message of freedom. He is our deliverer whom we acknowledge as what our apostle and our high priest. You don't have to go to the man in the box or the closet and confess your sin to him. You go to him. You go to him. And I can tell you right now, you can find him in a church house. You can find him in a whorehouse. I don't care because he is everywhere. Wherever someone is willing to fall on their knees and repent, you can find Jesus right there. Because I found Jesus literally at the end of a bottle. I found him there. He met me in my weakest, brokest moment. What you fix your thoughts on, what you allow to feed your mind is going to fuel your heart and what's living in your heart is going to fuel your life. You will never live holy trying to live separated from keeping your mind fixed on him. You will never live a holy life if you try to live a life that's not full of worship to Jesus. 
Because no one is good enough to live perfectly for him. The only way we can live righteously before him is when we let him consume us. And I'm here to tell you right now, he's interested in a bride who's fully in love with him. Because I I challenge one man in the house or one lady in the house that says, I'll share my spouse with someone else. You're not going to find it. Now, as you read through Joshua, the few next several chapters, you find this interesting theme that starts coming up. And I want to talk about the commandment of meditation. And I also want to talk about the significance of rest in three days that you see in this book. Like I said, there's no unnecessary detail. I want you to pick up right here in Joshua chapter one, verse 10. I want you to listen to what he tells his officers to do. Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross. Those two words, three days and cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you from, for your own. Now, there's a few more things he says through here. He says, the Lord, your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. The Lord is the one that gives rest. Over in um, chapter two, verse 16, he tells them again, After the Israelites went out and spied out Jericho, they stayed at the prostitute's house, Rahab, and she told them to go hide themselves for three days in the hills. And then after they had been there three days, they went back and brought this word. Now, pick up here in Joshua chapter three. I want you to see the consistency of this word. Joshua chapter three, verse one. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, God is getting ready to move. Now, I want to bounce over to chapter Five. I want to see, let you just see the significance of God is the one who gives rest and God is trying to show us the significance of the three days. Now, in Joshua chapter five, there is a requirement, if you will, that God places on Joshua in order to get the people into this To occupy this promise, God had a requirement of them in chapter 5. I want to read to you what he says here in verse 2. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Any men ready to sign up for that one? (laughs) Any committed bros? (laughs) That's awesome. I can see Mitch out there, man, with that flint knife, dude. Just you know. <laughs> Sorry, dude. So Joshua made the flint knives and circumcised all the Israelites. Okay, now why did he do that? Why did he do that? He tells us why he does it right here in, in 
verse 4. Verse 4. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised. They came out of Egypt. They were circumcised. But we find out some interesting truth here. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died. Why? Since they did had not obeyed the Lord. You want to know what will get you stuck in your, your, from your promise? Disobeying the Lord in your wilderness. If you're looking for popcorn Christianity, that's not here. But I can assure you right now, if you want truth, there is truth that will set you free. If we do it God's way, we will inherit our promise. When he allows you to come into that time of that wilderness, uh, trust and obey for there's no other way. Come on. Dun, dun, and Jesus, I will trust and obey. That's my good, my good Baptist song from back in the day. Look. Disobedience is what keeps us out of the promise and that disobedience is directly connected to what we believe. Now, I wanna keep reading here and I'm gonna sew this thing up for you. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would, that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Wow, there was a solemn promise that God had for the children of Israel, but their, their disobedience of faith kept them out. And he, then he swore, you'll never inherit this promise. And look at what he says. God will always keep a remnant. He said, so he raised up their sons and daughters in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. I believe that there is a time in a season, even right now, that there is a time for, will we let him circumcise us? Will we be the sons and daughters of a generation? Maybe it got passed over, but there is a time, there is a remnant of people that God will raise up for himself to take into a promise. God gives a promise and people give disobedience, but God continued to move. Disobedience is what kept the Israelites in the desert for 40 years, even though there was a land flowing with milk and honey. If you look right down here at verse nine, there's a little subtle passage of scripture. There's a word that'd be so easy to miss. In verse nine, it says, then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. There was a, an understanding that we're supposed to get, a revelation that we're supposed to get three days who was the one who was hidden for three days? And who was the one who, when he came out of the tomb and rolled 
the stone away, rolled your reproach away. Jesus. See, Romans chapter 2, 28. Listen to this. Romans chapter 2, verse 28. says, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart. By what? The Spirit. This is not how the heart gets circumcised. You trying to have mental, intellectual conversation with God is not what circumcises this heart. It is what I read to you in Hebrews when it said that his spirit, you, you follow me, his spirit had the ability to separate what? Spirit, soul, bone, and marrow. It is his spirit that circumcises our heart. How can you live any other way without his spirit? Not by the written code. Now, Jesus is looking for a tribe of people who say, I don't want to get stuck in the wilderness. But I'm sorry to say there's a lot of people that will hear this message and they will die in their wilderness. You wanna know why? Because of their disobedience. And I'm not talking about the kind of disobedience that you might think. I'm talking about one act of disobedience. They stop believing truth. We are a Jew, we are spiritual, we are Israel, when we allow the Spirit of God to circumcise our hearts inwardly by His Holy Spirit. And I believe that there is a land of freedom. I believe that there is a promise called freedom. But I also want to share this with you, a reality that many of us fail to recognize. When you walk through the pages of Joshua, you come up onto an interesting story about a guy named Achan. And I'm going to give you the cleft note version here and wrap this up. That essentially what you find out that God has given the land unto Israel and the armies of Israel are moving forward and they're conquering, they're dividing. And you know what's happening? The, the, the nations around them are melting with fear because they're hearing the prophetic word of the Lord come forward that God's people are coming. 
But then they come up to this scenario where they have to go defeat this little small place called I. And, and because of something that happened previous, that, that Achan, whenever they defeated Jericho, decided to keep some of the things that they were supposed to be dedicated to God. He decided to keep those things to himself. He hid them in his own house. His own children knew that. And he, he dug a place and he held on to it. And the choices and the decisions that he made affected the entire nation. The choices and the decisions he was making to hold on to those things that were not of God brought judgment on all the people. And then you find out as you read through the story, Joshua sends out his, his, his battalion of people. They go to defeat I and they get their butts whooped and they get sent down the highway wondering what is going on. And then they start crying out to God. Well, God, I thought you were forced. You did all these great things. You brought us out of the wilderness. And then all of a sudden you're going to let this one little country destroy us. Now the nations around us are, gonna, are no longer going to be afraid. And, and you see how the church kind of looks in that. And Joshua is on his face and he started to seek the Lord. And as he starts to cry out to the Lord, the Lord tells him to stand up on your feet. He says, you've got sin in your camp. You have sin in your camp. And I find it interesting how many times they did not inquire of the Lord before they went to do something. When I read these passages of scriptures, it's interesting that what kept the children of Israel out of the promised land was not the little trinkets that Achan kept in his house. You want to know what the deeper issue was? The root issue was what he believed. That's why he kept what he did. It's him holding on to something because of what he believed about God. And that belief system affected the whole nation. And I'm here to tell you right now, whether you want to accept this or believe this is, 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 is between you. But Jesus has come to bring freedom to those who are willing to be circumcised in the heart. And it is those people who allow him to get Egypt out of them will be the sons and daughters that live free from sin. But if you think we're gonna be a victorious, strong church and army whenever we are not walking in faith, we are in complete disbelief, we are not gonna be powerful. We will not be triumphant. It doesn't happen. It didn't happen for Joshua. It will not happen for us. The ones who will be triumphant is the ones who put their faith totally in Jesus Christ and say your way and your way alone. God, search me, find any wicked thing in me and heal me, cleanse me. Because I'm here to tell you right now, see, just like Achan had that little thing hidden, the enemy will wait with a little thing hidden in your soul to bring a lifetime of work and disrepute. Yes. Satan will wait. You say, you say, Pastor Arnie, you know, yeah, I kind of struggle with, 
you know, I don't always tell the truth. We're not going to go to the big one. We're not going to hit, you know, we'll just deal with that one. I kind of don't always like to tell the truth, you know. What happens on the day that it determines whether or not your marriage is going to survive based on whether or not you're willing to tell the truth. God is looking for a people who believe that he is the deliverer and that when, because here's what happens, guys. Whenever you enter into that time of that wilderness, your circumstances and everything around you, it's going to appear like, where did God go? The voice of God was so strong whenever we were coming out of Egypt. Why is it that now we've gone into this wilderness time that his voice seems to be not heard the same way? Because he is trying to cause you to follow him in a way of faith so that the things inside of you get removed that are not of him. If he just simply took you from Egypt and he puts you in your promise, you really wouldn't be delivered. You wouldn't have freedom. You would just simply take with you all the rituals, all the things that you were focused on in Egypt and you would bring it over into the promise. And God said, I'm gonna have a people who love me with their whole heart. I believe that it's the reason why I wanted to show you the picture of Fabian and these Iranians coming from, from Iran, what they, what they go through. We have taken things in our nation and it's like we've almost just kind of made God common. We, we, we've come to a place where, where the fear of the Lord is a rare thing, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And here is the interesting question. How much holy, reverent fear do I actually have in my heart? Or do I just think that it'll just be okay. It'll just kind of work out, right? No, it won't just work out. The only way it works out right are for those who have been washed by the blood of the lamb and we call his name Jesus. And the only people who truly live a life of freedom in Christ and are free from the bondage of this flesh and walk in the promise are those who are truly circumcised by the Holy Spirit in their heart. I believe with all of my heart, we're called to be a church of freedom. I believe with all of my heart that we are a body that embraces truth, truth that sets us free. A truth that says no matter what is going on in your life, that if you follow Jesus, you will make it to your promise. And that if you trust him in the midst of your wilderness, he will not leave Egypt inside of you.
but the ones who get caught in the middle are the people that I'm most fearful for. It's the Christian in America right now who does not feel the sense of urgency to truly know him, to truly know him. He's just become familiar. He's just kind of common. And when people begin to see the church living in freedom, then they're gonna want freedom. I'm here to share with you guys some great news, even about the, our own ministry's development, things that God is doing here that ties into this. And, and what's amazing to me is how the Lord has just orchestrated all this. You know, Tony, if you don't mind, man, why don't you just come on up, bro? And um, y'all give Tony a hand. That's a double-edged switchblade right there, dude. Two Bibles on top like that. That's, you know, a blade on both sides. Here's what I, I'm so excited to just share with you guys tonight. We have been on an amazing prophetic journey. Seven years ago, uh, in October, the Lord called us out of our land and, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he gave us some very specific prophetic words about what we would come to Pensacola and do, what we would see. And, you know, it has been an amazing journey to see the hand of God. And, and, and one of the things that the Lord told us that we, he wasn't giving us all the blueprints right away. You know, one of the number one things man always wants, man wants to have all the information before he follows God. It doesn't work that way. Abraham, go to that land. I'll give you more information once you get to that point. But the Lord told us to come and the Lord told us to, to um, build a house of prayer. Back in that time of uh, 2009, we, we did an event called Give Love, Give Bikes. And um, underneath I-110, and we were giving love away and we were giving bikes away. We were running with faith, man. We were just hyped up on Jesus juice, man. It was just like we were. We didn't have money. We didn't know how we, didn't know how we were gonna support ourselves. We were just after God. And in that period of time, the Lord told us, Tony and I, that we, we knew that intimacy was a, was a major part of our ministry, intimacy with Jesus Christ, taking the love of the Father to the world. And, and in that process, the Lord spoke to us and said, build a house of prayer. I'm like, okay, we'd never seen a house of prayer before. But we knew that worship and prayer and intimacy and the preaching of God's word was, was so foundational and that that's what you're in tonight is, is this place called Pensacola House of Prayer. And, and, and it's what we did. It's we, we, we gave our lives to that. And, and we started out in that little nursery up front on the, when you walk through those double doors, that first classroom to the right was the war room, man. Y'all saw the movie war room. That was our war room. Uh, Dustin Nelson, see him back there and Nina, man, they was putting maps on the walls and writing on windows. And we were crying out to God. And the Lord moved and showed us a, a vision of what intimacy prayer and, and prayer, prayer, prayer. And on this period of time, we've been this interesting ministry of God growing um, two things, this, this house of prayer and this body called the church. And so we've been faithful just to do both. And, and even at times making people just have questions and wonder and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? I, I don't care. I would rather just obey God and get on the other side of heaven and be found faithful. Not whether or not you like me. 
I just want to be faithful. And so we um, were in prayer. Tony and I went, were invited to go to a conference back in April, uh, a conference called ARC. And um, it's not necessarily the particular stream that we've always you know, been connected to, but we were invited to go. So we went and man, God moved. It was so awesome. And one of the number one things we found the very first night we were there, the, Tony and I looked at each other. We both had tears in our eyes and we just were repenting. God put us in a place of repentance. And we just started repenting. The Lord was cleaning the slate and getting to prepare us for something that we didn't even know was totally coming. And, um, and so as we returned home, we knew that there was going to be a shift in our ministry, that there were some things that God was doing to bring a fuller, more complete picture of the work here. And, um, and so as we were as we come back, we were processing, we were praying, and in conversation with our wives that we really sensed the Lord give us more detail of, of where things were headed for PHOP and for this body as a church. And uh, one of the things that, that we heard from the Lord is that the Lord has told us to rebrand the church side of our ministry. And we would like to unveil to you tonight, yeah. Freedom Church. This is very significant because here's what I want you to see. This house of prayer continues to stay the same. Pensacola house of prayer stays the same. Prayer is the engine inside of the car. You may have a really nice car, but if you don't have an engine, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're just on the side of the road. So I told you, brother, freedom had a point. We really believe. Well, I want you to take this part and explain. Cool. Well, you already did my part and your part. I know. Do, <laughs> do, do the part, though, about what we believe with freedom. We, we got to have a script here. I know, man. <laughs> um, you know, we've, like Arnie said, we've always had this very unique ministry that it's been kind of hard to understand. I mean, when we first started, even back in Tulsa, we, we, we've always met on Sunday nights, as, and it started with just five families. And so even before there was a house of prayer vision to have a place that's open every night for worship and prayer, for that to be the fuel to the fire, there's always been this body of people that have met as a church. And so as PHOP came online, it's like the vision of that just kind of like went out into the city. So it was kind of hard to understand, I think, for a lot of people. It's like, well, what are you guys? Are you a church or are you a house of prayer? And we've always just been like, well, we're both. The answer is yes. Yeah, we're both. <laughs> and uh, for us, we've always understood it. And I, th I feel like what the Lord has been doing is really putting it, putting it in our hearts to bring that clarity to the vision moving forward and where we're going. And so as Arnie said... The prayer room side of our ministry will stay Pensacola House of Prayer, PHOP. That'll continue exactly how it's been going, Monday through Saturday, letting that prayer continue to fuel the fire to what, is, what God is birthing in this city. But the church side of our ministry is now going to be called Freedom Church. And the scripture that the Lord gave us, and this is, here's the deal. This is what we've been about. That's really what this comes from is... Yeah. We, when we got back from that conference and the Lord started dealing with our hearts, it came down to this. What is it that we are all about big picture as a church? And ever since the beginning, top to bottom, front to back, what we are all about is, is the spirit of the Lord bringing freedom to Amen. people's lives. Yes. 
And there have been so many in this place. I look all over this room that have encountered freedom in this place. And the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as a church, that is our heart. We, we just want to come into this place and just let there be room for the Holy Spirit to move, for people to encounter freedom. And so that's, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Amen. So, come on. So what does this look like kind of practically is when we make this transition across the street that um, that's, that's, this is the picture. We're crossing into a new promise. For seven years, God gave us the work of building this house of prayer. And I assure you within the last couple of weeks, God downloaded some things to us about this promise across the street that if the Lord tarries, will take us another seven years of watching his glory do what it has already done. And it just gets better. Amen. It just gets better. Yeah. And so we want to ask you guys to be a part of that with us. And, and so there are some new things coming, like you'll see this name. And, and um, you know, we're excited about this place of freedom. So would you guys just stand to your feet, man? And we just want to just thank God yeah. and, uh, for what he's doing. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, you want to pray? Just pray something out. We're just going to pray, take a minute and pray, and then I'll close us in prayer. Praise you, Jesus. Let's just lift our hands all over this Thank place. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we do that tonight as a body. We welcome your spirit here. Lord, we welcome your freedom here in this place, God. Yes, God. Lord, I thank you that as we enter into this new season as a church, as a ministry, God, as we go across the street into this new facility, God, and as you bring in the harvest of souls, God, yeah. I thank you that your spirit yes. dwells in this place and that this will be a place of freedom, that we will be a people that are walking in your freedom, that we're not looking back at Egypt, God, yes. but we're moving forward in your freedom, God. Lord, I declare that over this place. I thank you that you're just birthing a hunger and a desperation, God, that can only be satisfied by you. Stir it up in the hearts of the people of this city, God. Lord, I just thank you, God, that the people in this room are just stirred with a heart of compassion for the lost and the broken, God. That the same freedom that we've encountered in your presence, God, that we would take to others. Lord, I declare that in this place. In Jesus' name. Just in this atmosphere, I want to call you to a, a prophetic declaration that happened when me and Tony and, and three other uh, brothers came to spy out this land. As we were crossing over the Alabama Bama border to Florida, we didn't exactly know where we were on the road. But in that moment, the, the anointing and the intensity of the Holy Spirit was building. We could feel it in the van. And someone declared this prophetic word and said that whatever we declare right now in this moment, we shall have. And out of me screamed, freedom! 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 God, I declare freedom yes. to those who can't even ask for themselves. Yes. 
that God, we declare freedom to our city, freedom to our families, freedom, God, to our nation, freedom to the nations of the earth that Jesus Christ came to bring freedom. And Lord, we ask now that you would deliver us from the Egypt that would try to live in us and bring us to that promise, God, that we will never be the same again. Can we give him a huge shout of praise, church? Hallelujah! We love you, God. We love you, God. Hallelujah. If you need prayer tonight, if you need someone to pray with them, ask our prayer team to come forward. It's 702, and I know we need a change for the next service to come in. But if you need prayer, please come. We would love to pray with you guys. God bless you. Have a great night. I'm looking forward to what's coming.